There we go. I think we're doing it. Okay. It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Kevin. Andy's on the road. He's he's taking care of Andy things, and he'll be back next time. But I, as you know, I always say, I enjoy having Kevin's perspective. And Kevin Harris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, the, the last time um, I, I talked to you guys, the game that we were talking about got canceled, and I'm excited that that can't possibly <laughs> happen this time. So. I forgot about that. That's right. Yeah. The game that we were talking about got canceled, and then uh, the game that we will talk about, or at least have more fun talking about did not get canceled and was super kick-ass and awesome and i figured you know i was telling you this before we started recording right like we normally record on mondays which kind of screwed up our schedule in general andy and i had discussed doing something maybe after the championship game had ohio state won but since they didn't they you know didn't feel like people really wanted to hear 40 minutes of us kind of commiserating and whining so with that in mind we've got a lot to talk about we've got a lot to get to I want to start with this. First of all, obviously, you know, the loss to Alabama in the national championship game, that sucks. Can I ask you this just right off the bat? How upset were you with that loss? Was that one of those things where you're like, this is devastating, I'm pissed, this is awful? Or have you did you just completely write that off? Did you have a lot of confidence going to that game? I mean, I had a lot of confidence, but like it wasn't I don't know. It, it was weird. Be, like I, I sincerely thought Ohio state could hang in that game, but like when they didn't, it wasn't like soul crushing. I sure. don't know. I, I, I think part of it is that like, I think it's reasonable to expect Ohio state to like do that every year. And so like, there wasn't like a, Oh, this was a massive missed opportunity sort of right. thing. Because like, I, I, I don't know, like I, maybe it's arrogant, but I think Ohio state is going to be good for a while. And then there was also like, <laughs> what, a, what an arrogant unfounded thing to say. I can't believe you would yeah. say such a statement without any supporting evidence whatsoever. That's great. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the other thing is like, I, Ohio state had its glaring flaws all year mm-hmm. and it wasn't really like a surprise that Alabama put up a ton of points on yeah. this defense. Like, no, I, I wasn't really necessarily surprised how anything shook out, especially after Trey Sermon went down. Like, I, I think Ohio State would have had to score almost every drive to make that even like a game and for uh-huh. it to be close. And as soon as Trey Sermon went down, I was like, oh, well, that ended any real chance that Ohio State had of, you know, keeping this game close. And so I think like after that, it was just like, uh, this is what it is sort of thing. Um, I don't think I think that's one of those things where like if Ohio State plays Alabama ten times, Bama might win seven or eight. Like yeah. I, I don't think Ohio State <laughs> didn't have a shot in that game, but like you know Alabama was the favorite for a reason, and they're undefeated. And um, you know Bill Connolly's ranking them is like the best team of all time. Like right. all, all of that's for a reason. Like it was it was a it was a loaded team, and I wasn't really like sad necessarily. It it didn't hit anywhere near the, the way that like the Florida loss in two thousand six the LSU loss in 2007 or last year's Clemson loss or anything like that. Like even the 31 to nothing like Clemson loss, like no, it, it, it didn't feel the same. It wasn't like a fire. Every, everybody like this is the season, <laughs> like a failure sort of thing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was that. I don't I, like, I think that would have been the national title would have been great. And it would have been like the cherry on top of the cake of like a, a season, but like Ohio state had to beat Clemson and that's what they did. Yes. And that's the thing because if you had a situation where it's like, this is the only postseason game that Ohio state's going to play, right. You're putting all of your hopes and dreams on this one singular game. And then you get blown out like that. I think it hurts a little bit more than if you, the previous week get to completely just like take 
Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers to the woodshed. Having that happen, getting to watch that and experience that, I think lessens the the blow of that defeat to Alabama a little bit later. Um, and, and, you know, you're missing a lot of your defensive line, right? You've got a number of starters are out with COVID. You lose your starting running back on the first offensive play of the game. That There's only so much Ohio State can overcome. I understand that this is like the, you know, we don't have backups, just more starters team and all that stuff. That, that's not necessarily true when one of your backups is Master Teague. But I also want to point out that, you know, it's okay sometimes to lose to really, 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 really good teams. I didn't think Ohio State was going to win that game. I think even, a, even you know, everybody at full strength, you know, without any of the COVID stuff, it still would have been a big-time uphill battle just because of how mm-hmm. damn good the uh, Alabama wide receiver core is. I, they were facing a tough challenge regardless. And then you add in everything else. It's like, okay, that sucks, but it's, it's you know, this is the 2020 season kind of wrapping up. It's, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the other thing, too, is like if you kind of look at how this played out, Alabama didn't make the playoff last year. And so like when you're looking at strength on strength, Ohio State's better team and Clemson's better team and LSU obviously is better team was last year. All of those yeah, teams peaked last absolutely. year. And I think if you put those three Ohio or those three teams in this year's playoff or move Alabama back to last year's playoff, like all oh, of those yeah. teams are like, that would have been awesome. Like I, I like Ohio state 2019's chances of hanging with Alabama infinitely better than I like this team's chances. Absolutely, I, yes. I think that would have been an awesome game. And so I think it's just a matter of like, this was not like the generational Ohio state team that uh, had a chance to win it all. You know, it, it just wasn't. Right. And Alabama had like a, 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 like a generational team and Ohio state Clemson and LSU all picked the same season to have a generational team while or while Alabama kind of picked it a season where nobody else was that good yeah and and that's the thing you can't get super sad about you know losing to those generational teams when ostensibly it's like a rebuilding year i mean i don't know that people really thought obviously covid changes all of this right because you go into the season and you're you've got all these narratives in your head and you've got all these things that you're going to be looking for and okay what does ohio state have to improve upon and all this other stuff and then covid completely just blasts that in outer space and everything changes the whole you know feeling around the season changes but i really didn't feel that ohio state i mean i'm with you man like you're losing jk dobbins losing a lot of that stuff obviously you brought guys back you're bringing back justin fields and the wide receiver core but they lost a lot of defense and there was a lot for people to be a little bit skeptical about when it comes to ohio state so here's what i'm saying i'm not super broken up about the national championship game i do want to talk briefly before we get into kind of an overview of the season i want to talk briefly about that sugar bowl win because that I got to tell you something, man. I'm going to be real sad if people forget about this because of the national championship game and the loss that happened to that. Because the the beating Clemson, I, I was one of the people on staff who predicted them to lose to Clemson. I didn't think they had a chance in hell. I was like, there's not, I mean, just too damn good. Trevor Lawrence is going to do the same thing he did last year. It's going to be you know just a repeat. And they beat the hell out of them. It was not close. It was hilarious. I just... I didn't expect it at all, but clearly that was like the biggest thing. That was their biggest motivator going to this. Most of the time, you know, Ohio State talks about like the game and Michigan and whatnot being denied that absent that obviously they wanted to take down Clemson and they put in everything to do that. And it was Clemson was not ready for that smoke. And that was what's hilarious about it. They were blindsided by how pissed off Ohio State was everything leading up to it. Dabo was saying stupid crap. 
they I really think they completely underestimated how much Ohio State wanted to beat them and they were I think they got smacked in the mouth and they were shocked so I, that was that was probably the most entertaining aspect of that game for me was well, yeah how and, unprepared and, and, they were for Ohio State's anger right and uh, I, I think like I, it was it was pretty clear, like even schematically, you talked to Kyle Jones about it too, who is an yep. infinitely more football knower than I know, that like Ohio State was like game planning for that game for months. Like it yes. wasn't just like, a oh, we got Clemson, let's try to beat it. No, like they they were ready for like <laughs> who, whoever they played. It, it could have been Bama, it could have been somebody else, but like they wanted Clemson. They had their sights set on Clemson and like they were ready. They knew exactly yep. how to play Clemson. And like more than that, I, I think like if, you, if you're looking at something like as far as important wins or losses or whatever, like I don't think anything really drastic happens to the program or the perception of the program from losing to Alabama. Nah. But imagine if Ohio State would have lost to Clemson again, you know, yeah. like Ohio State moves to 0 and 5 lifetime against Clemson, um, you know, 0 and 2 since Ryan Day took over. Um, you, you have to hear for an entire year that Justin Fields isn't in Trevor Lawrence's galaxy again. Um, You have to watch Alabama and Clemson play again in the title game, like kind of solidifying that narrative that those two teams are the top of college football and nobody else is even close. And then after all of that, you have to have um, hear from Clemson fans and stuff like it it just solidifies that whole thing that Clemson is like in a different level after Ohio State spent the entire offseason, you know, kind of playing this redemption. We need to beat Clemson. But like that's not what happened because Ohio State came out and waxed the floor with them. Yeah. And well, what's funny to me, though, is that it, it, it's the same thing in reverse after Ohio State beats, beats them, because I'm starting to think of, you know, Clemson and Dabo is like, well, you know, is this even sustainable? Like they're going right. to Lawrence. Are they really going to be that good? They're recruiting <laughs> like they've yeah. suffered in some places. And it's it's ridiculous because it's literally one game. It doesn't really impact the program that much. You, you have to take a much longer view of it. But absolutely, the way I feel about Clemson right now is probably how a lot of people would feel about Ohio State had they lost, which is this is a program on the decline. Maybe the people coach will be doubting Ryan Day. Yeah, and I, it's it's I don't know. The whole thing's hilarious to me. It, the game itself was just funny as hell, and I remember specifically. This is probably something that'll stick out in my mind for a long time with that specific game, which is beforehand. I think it was on TigerNet or whatever one of the Clemson partisan sites was they put out an article where they said is ohio state too focused or too obsessed with clemson this is before the game and i'm like you yeah who cares like is that possible before a giant bowl game a national playoff semifinal is it possibly too obsessed with your opponent that you're trying to beat and i just it, it cracked me up because there were some of these clemson fans going like yeah it's kind of sad it's, it's really just you know I don't know. Ohio State really should focus on making their program better. I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So it's, it is really funny how much narratives can change and that we're going to get into that a little bit of that actually a little bit later in the dubcast, because we're going to talk about that with regards to Ohio State's returnees for 2021, which I think also changes a lot of the narrative around the program. We'll get to that in a second. I want to ask you first though, Kevin, this is a weird, this has been a super weird season right? Like no if, ands, or buts. This has been an extremely weird season, no matter how you slice it. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm curious to see what your perspective has been um, about some of the games, some of the performances, things like that. And, and I'll kind of mix in my commentary with that as well. But let's start with taking out the Clemson game, 
because that's that's going to be number one in most people's views. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of a difficult question because you don't have a Michigan game to draw from. What was your favorite game of the season to watch? What was the most exciting, interesting game for you accepting Clemson this year? I think I'd probably have to go with the Northwestern game. Okay. Just because that was like the most hilarious. Like that was like <laughs> Trey, Trey Ser- I mean, I mean, Trey Sermon rushed for 331 yards and then yes. you had Justin Hilliard who like had a, the game of his life and both of those dudes like I cannot emphasize enough just like didn't play in mm-hmm. like, like like Justin Hilliard just like didn't play for six years and then all of a sudden like was you know like the best player on the defense and yeah I mean he sustained that for the next two games too but then you had Trey Sermon who like it dude was like low-key bad <laughs> like there's, there's no hiding low-key like, bad he was high-key bad look master teague was the viable option above him for several yeah. games this wasn't something where it was like okay well let's see who can figure out and get their feet wet he was clearly the better running back for the first yeah. two and a half games of the uh 2020 football season there's no well, the, doubt about that right and then he just comes out of nowhere and like he looked like a completely different person like it it, it looked like you like put ezekiel elliott in his jersey yeah and just said like it, <laughs> like it it was wild like it, it he was running with like a different con like i cannot emphasize enough it looked like a different player Yes. So like that, that has to be the, the, like, that was, that was also the moment, like that game. I was like, well, if Ohio state's offense looks like this, then they might roll Clemson. Like, you know, like if, if they don't play Northwestern like that, then I don't think that I even think they have a chance against Clemson because well, at least I didn't, I didn't really think they were going to beat Clemson necessarily, but yeah. like with, with what they showed against Northwestern, I was like, well, if they do all of this at the same time, like if Sermon does this, Justin Fields does his stuff, like, they, they could get lucky, but. Well, so yeah. the thing is, though, is that like, you know, because Trey Sermon had an incredible game against Northwestern. You're watching the game. You're like, oh, my God, this dude is this is insane. This is the most amazing running back performance I've ever seen. Justin Fields was terrible against Northwestern. Yeah. He was not good. But you had faith that, that was a blip on the radar, right? Yeah. And that's why I would agree with you. So the other game that I was kind of considering was maybe the Indiana game, just because this is like. The narrative going into 2020 is, okay, you've got basically two teams that you need to watch out for. You get past those two teams, Ohio State looks good. Those teams turned out to be garbage and not a factor. (laughs) But then Indiana shows up and you're like, oh my God, this is a game I have to care about? I'm going to be awake at the end of the third quarter? So to me, that was a really interesting game just in, in how it played out. And Justin Fields didn't have a great game in that game as well but northwestern i agree with you because it's the game that leads into the college football playoff it is such a wild thing to have happen and you can't help but make comparisons back to 2014 right like let's just you you have that same feeling where uh you know ohio state does something crazy in the big 10 championship and then it sets them up for the the playoff i just i agree with you man that was an insane game to watch even though it wasn't a giant ohio state blowout or anything like that but because you had one guy turning in a performance that you just a had never seen before and B could not possibly believe that it was coming from him. So, and here's the thing though, I I will say this. And I said this after the game, Trey Sermon had been getting better and better and better since about the second or third game. He like, he was not racking up 330 plus yards or anything (laughs) like that, uh, (laughs) you know, leading up to it, but he was averaging a good six, seven, eight yards a clip in um in the games prior to that it's not like he was you know just kind of lollygag and not doing much he was he was really really good against michigan state it was like he had you know 112 yards 11.2 yards per carry uh against 
you know, Indiana is 6.7 yards per carry. He had gotten progressively better in every game since the Penn State game. Um, so, again, did I think he was going to have that kind of, kind of game against Northwestern? No, but did I think he was going to be able to carry the offense in some ways? Yeah, because he had kind of shown that. And it's, you know, it's one of those weird things where you're like, okay, well, can't wait to see him next year. And then it's, you know, poof, it's gone. Yep. Yep. Um, so it's, you know, that to me was, I agree with you. I think that was probably one of the more interesting games. Let me ask you this. What is a play that sticks out? And, and I like, I would encourage you to get creative with this, but what is a play that really, really sticks out in your head? What's going to be, when you think of 2020, what is going to be like the defining play in your brain where you're like oh man this is this is what i'm gonna really take with me the next few years ah that one's really hard um because i i don't know i i was i was pouring through justin fields's highlights yeah uh, earlier today i mean after he declared and it's it's wild how many good throws that he makes that it's hard to even like be like oh yeah like this is my favorite one sort of thing (laughs) So like, I might really uh, honestly, my, I'm, I'm going to go with two. My, my first one um, is Trey Sermon's run to, uh, to break the record, to break okay. the, the three. That was an incredible run where he's just, it was nuts. It was like yes. beast mode. He's hurtling people. He's throwing people to the ground. Yes. Like that was nuts. He but wanted that I, record. They, he knew exactly how many yards he had to get. They yes. were definitely telling me like, you're staying in the game until you're getting this. And he was like, I'm getting it on this run. Yeah. That was sick. Yeah. So that was awesome. The other one that is the most like 2020 play of all time was Sean Wade's pick six against Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that is, that is so perfect because like, I'm, I'm not like, I'm frankly, Sean Wade was terrible this season. Like, he wasn't he, good. He should, no. he should not have played cornerback this year and like was by no means like it, that consensus all American like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like he, he wasn't, he wasn't the best corner on his team. He no. wasn't the second best corner on his team. The only reason he was the second best was because the second best corner got hurt. Right. Um, but the fact that like th- that pick six, like won him defensive back of the year in the big 10. Yep. And like it, it, and it's just so funny that that like one moment, like that, that one moment is like the entire highlight film of Sean Wade's entire, you know, 2020 year. And I, I think it's just so funny that like, like, the secondary made one play. The secondary made <laughs> one play the entire year, and that's like the highlight. Right. Um, I think that's a good observation. I will. I'll give you two, and they're both from Clemson. I think the uh, the Olave touchdown that just went for like sixty yards there, whatever the hell it was. Yeah, I was that like, was nuts. That I, I, I mean, what do you do about that? It wasn't. It wasn't like a frozen rope kind of thing, you know, where uh, Justin Fields got injured against Michigan, he comes back in, and then just throws like this icy crazy touchdown it was more of this like bomb but i that's when i was thinking man clemson is really kind of outclassed here you know what i mean like there's no there's like it's not a situation where ohio state just got really hot this is clearly uh you know this is clearly a situation where ohio state just has way better yeah. athletes. well the, the the better part about that too like the, the icing on the cake for that was the guy that chris olave torched was nolan turner the guy who had the, yes. the game ending interception so that's it was, right it was poetic that like he's just like mossing that guy yes yeah and that was the thing you're like you're looking at this and you're like oh my god this is this is for real and that was you know i think the game was basically out of hand at that point but that's when i kind of was like okay this is this is gonna be 
this is going to be what I remember. The other one from that same game is another, I would guess, 2020 play where uh, our, our good friend, Fat Boy Williams, Mayan Williams, goes in and has an incredibly competent 15-yard run where he's, like, <laughs> destroying dudes. And it's against the teeth of Clemson's defense when they really need a stop. And he's like, ah, yeah. and runs over 15 guys. That yeah. was I, I think I laughed harder at that singular play than anything else, in part because it wasn't Master Teague. And I, I don't mean to, like, just crap on Master Teague because I don't think he's a very good running back, which, again, I don't think he is. But the, the fact that you bring in this guy who had all of 10 carries the entire season and you, you put him in at a really important point in a game against a team that you really, really want to beat, and he just annihilates dudes – for 15 yards that was my second favorite play in that entire game and, and one of my favorite plays in the entire season and that's i i've probably re-watched the sugar bowl maybe like five or six times at this point and uh i every time i rewind that thing like 10 times because it is the most hilarious unexpected running uh play i think of the entire season i enjoyed that quite a bit yeah and i'm excited for him to to have more more carries like that next season we'll get into that a little bit so the other, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, Kevin, and this is maybe more of, a, I guess, a segue into the other thing that we're going to be talking about, but was there any player or I'll even extend it to a unit where you were like, okay, this is, this is like unexpected. This is either more like, I, I don't think anybody had a lot of delusions of grandeur about maybe the secondary, but was there any parts of Ohio State's team where you were really excited about or really disappointed in? during this season. Okay. So the first one is, is going to be really obvious and it's the interior defensive line. Right. Like, yeah. I, especially I, when you got a guy getting shot in the face and then coming back and being one of the best interior defensive line in the entire country a yeah. couple weeks later. Right. So like, I, 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 we, we write, I mean, as we do, we write articles and one, <laughs> we write things. We, we write things. Right I, I, I vividly remember like multiple people writing about how the interior defensive line was like the biggest question mark of this defense. Like, right. we don't know what it's going to look like. They just lost, you know, the, their top three contributors because they lost just Sean Cornell, BB uh, Landers and Davon Hamilton. Like they're all gone. All and, then they just, and, and Bob, yeah, not having big Bob back there hurt because, and I was worried about that because he's just such a fire plug. And I was, I did not know if, the, yeah, I didn't know that they're going to be as good at run defense as they could be. No, it, and it, it was incredible. Like, it, and it wasn't just run defense. I, I don't think I've seen Ohio State um, have a pass rush on the interior defensive line like they had this year. Like with Togi and, and Haskell Garrett, like the 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 strength of the pass rush even was on the inside, and that I, is like that is never. I really happened. think the only comparable thing that I you know because I had that same thought, and I think about maybe like Cam Hayward when they would put him in the interior occasionally, right? And yeah. there, but it's been a long ass time. It's been a long time since they've had something like that. Right. So I, I think that that's the obvious one to me. Um, I don't I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a there's a counter to that. Like I I I, I guess if if I'm going offense, I'm going mm. the tight ends because <laughs> I, I it sounds crazy, but I don't think like. And like, I'm not going to get all like, this is the year we need to throw to the tight ends more. Like, <laughs> like, I, I don't I love that's I don't a know. meme at this point for all. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> but I, I don't think that like, I don't think that the average person appreciates how good Ohio state's tight ends were this year yeah. between Ruckert and Farrell and like just doing the things that they're supposed to do and just being an extra blocker 
um, you know, running downfield, being a lead blocker, picking up guys in pass, pass pro and stuff like that. I, I like, I, I don't know if the average person was really, you know, that, cause I mean, a lot of people just see the, the, the catch numbers and they see that they're not really involved in the passing game and stuff like that. But the tight ends were very, very, very good this season. And they were part of the reason why they, uh, they're so successful. Yeah. And, and hopefully they decide to weaponize them at some point next year. Well, I mean, I say them, obviously you're, you're going to be missing one, but um, you look at what they were able to do. Right. And some of the catches they were able to pull off, especially against Clemson, you're like, Jesus, like you've got, <laughs> you've got to get them more involved in the passing game. Right. Um, so hopefully that happens. I'm not going to hold my breath, but we'll see. And, and this is kind of, this is what I want to talk about now, which is we've got, expectations for next season you're losing this incredible all everything quarterback um but as we found out today you're, you're bringing back some kind of essential pieces right you've got record back you've got chris Olave inexplicably deciding to not make millions of dollars and, and come back to columbus and make you know tens of thousands of dollars and i'm kidding um how do you how are you feeling about next year's team I, especially with the returnees that you know we some of them we didn't really expect yeah, so I I don't I don't really know, but I, I, I like I don't know exactly how things are going to shake out because like you have a completely different quarterback. Yeah. But I will say that if Jeremy Ruckert and Chris Olave trust the, the incoming quarterback enough that um that they're willing to come back for another year and sacrifice millions of dollars in draft stock on you know C.J. Stroud uh, or you know Jack Miller. Or uh, you know, on on essentially a a totally inexperienced quarterback's arm, right. that tells me that they think it's going to be fine. And so, like, if they think it's going to be fine enough to sacrifice their like long term well being on it, <laughs> I, I'm I'm good too. So um, I think the offense, if you look at it, just offensive line, every everybody returning, um, their Mumford returning, that was massive. That's huge. Uh, and and so like that's going to be an anchor. Um, you know, and you've got Nicholas Petit Ferrer played awesome. Yep. The interior line's going to be solid with with Harry Miller. Um, Parrish Johnson's going to probably step on in there, and you had Matthew Jones who played like uh, really quality time um, with in, basically in two, no lead up either. With I mean, no with no lead up in, in two yeah. huge games. Yes. So the offensive against line's really going to be solid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Again, against the the best the two best teams in the country outside of yeah. Ohio State. So um, you know, at the offensive line's going to be good. Rucker is coming back. And then you've got Chris Olave and Garrett. Like it's it's the same offense, just I mean, slightly different offensive line, but it's it's the same offense plus um, a different quarterback who, by it seems, is going to be fine. So, I, you know, I I'm optimistic about the offense, and you look at the defense, and um, that could be. I mean, they're they're going to need some players to step up on linebacker because they finally <laughs> they don't are, have any linebackers. <laughs> they they finally are turning over that position. Like yeah. finally, finally, we've been talking right. about like. At some point, these guys have all been here forever, so they're they're turning over the linebacker position. Um, they they need some something to happen in the secondary, and uh, you know they they really need some some pass rush on the edge. You know Tyreek Smith's coming back, um, but they didn't really get a ton, a ton of pass rush either. So I think the defense is going to be the biggest question mark, and which is kind of concerning because it was also the biggest question mark this year, right. and 
So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all goes. Um, we'll see how players develop, what happens with new player. I don't know. Um, that, that, that's the area to watch, but offensively, like it's, it's shaping up to be a scary, scary, scary good offense. Yeah. I'm excited for the offense. I, I think linebacker is, you know, definitely a question mark and, and something people can be concerned about. I, I honestly, I think they'll be better in the defensive secondary. You, you saw some guys make, absent Sean Wade, we complain about Sean Wade all the time, which is fair because he's playing out of his position should not be doing, you know, doing what right. he was doing, but they have talent there. Right. Like I think seven banks is going to evolve into a pretty, like Cam he's Brown. not yeah, that Right. And they're, these are not amazing, like all American players yet, but I think they can get to somewhere approaching that level because they're, they're really good and, and they can be even better. So I think the defensive line is, is probably the area they're going to look at, but then you also have the guy coaching them who's right. You know? So uh, yes, there are definitely concerns and no, I don't think they're going to be some kind of world beater, you know, defense that holds everybody at 10 points a game, but there are less things to worry about than maybe if you were Michigan, for example, right. If you were a team, if you were a team that didn't have a lot of confidence in your coaching or player development, then I, then I think you could worry, but Ohio state's done such a good job. And we just saw it this past season with ensuring players uh, are, are getting the kind of, um, you know, build up and, and training and coaching that they need to, to really achieve and do well. So I'm not, I'm not super uh, like nervous about that. I think it'll be an interesting you know thing to see how they actually develop over an off season. That's slightly more normal and gives them the ability to actually like, you know, study gameplay and all this other stuff and, and do what you would typically do in an off season, as opposed to what they did this past off season. So I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting thing, especially with quarterback, but I'm excited for it. Offense. You know, we were talking about in Slack, just go air raid, man. Like (laughs) five wide, who cares? I just, I would be cool with that. If, if, if the defense ain't working out, just, just do what you got to do. Who knows what Henderson's going to be like. Yeah. um, Behind the offensive line. I think that's the good news is like, finally, finally, I've spent so many years watching a running back play for some other team and be like, ah, that kid should have right. gone to Ohio State. Like they had Robinson, him man. Elsewhere. I mean, <laughs> limited time at Texas. Kendall Milton now at Georgia is Amir White at Georgia. Yeah. Um. There's there's some before that too. Oh, Cam Akers. Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris. All all those people. I'm like, oh well, you know, that would have been pretty sweet if he was playing for Ohio State. But so I I'm, I'm excited to not have to do that again next year and to just like have the five-star running back. So, well, and a guy um, that, so, I mean, JK Dobbins obviously had an unbelievable final season at Ohio state, but what's interesting to me is that this is trying, even with Ezekiel, I mean, Ezekiel had a lot of fanfare and, and people, you know, talking about like the recruitment that went on and, and how highly regarded he was, but I don't think it was a, like a, a situation where you necessarily expected him to have to contribute and be the focus of the offense immediately. Um, Whereas this is going to be an interesting situation where you've got that five-star guy who's going to come in and be the dude. Like it reminds me a little bit of like Beanie Wells coming in and in Beanie, Beanie had uh, Pittman in front of him and he was able to spell him whatnot. But I, I don't think that there's been a situation in Ohio state in recent years where you've had a guy who is this highly regarding and be expected to take on that much of the workload. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm worried about him doing that. I think it'll be great, but um, you know, if all else fails, you've got, um, you know, my end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it works out. It's fine. It it's fine. So I think they will be good. I think Ohio state's got a lot looking forward to uh, look to look forward to in the next year here. One thing I want to touch on real quick before we get to ask us anything is um, Michigan, which 
look, they extend Jim Harbaugh. He takes a massive pay cut. I mean, like half, literally they, they cut his salary in half and then they go ahead and they hire Mike Hart, which I know Michigan fans are really trying hard to convince themselves is super awesome. They love that hire. Mike Hart has not been a great college coach. Like if you look at how the running backs under his um, tutelage have performed, not great honestly basically how he did in college you're averaging like 4.5 4.9 yards per carry for a season yeah. that's fine i mean it doesn't make you a horrible running back but it certainly doesn't make you maybe worthy of getting hired at your alma mater uh if that alma mater is michigan i just here's the thing man and i i don't know how you feel about it i just think michigan is rapidly swirling down the toilet because this is I, I don't understand why they keep this dude on. I know the, the buyout on his contract is super low, so they can get rid of him whenever they really feel like it. But it just feels like such a defeat. It, it feels like they're really just giving up to a certain right. extent. Right. So, and, and like like I've I've seen I've seen some takes about like like this proves that Jim Harbaugh couldn't get a better NFL job, like and and like throwing shade at Harbaugh and stuff like that. But like <laughs> also it proves that Michigan doesn't think they can do better than this dude who quite clearly yeah. hasn't lived up to expectations. Like right. if, if you're just going with him again, even if it's cheaper, like that means that you don't think that even if you shell out cash, you can get somebody better than Jim Harbaugh. And that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Exactly. No, exactly right. Like Michigan is not a destination job. And I, I, I really, the fans probably implicitly understand that they, they go, okay, we just got to get whoever we can get, you know, they're, they're making soup memes because they want to get Matt Campbell and all that stuff. That's fine. Um, but it's not the job it used to be. And it's not because Michigan doesn't have resources or the ability to win. It's because they don't like, they don't have the investment in winning. They don't have the culture that a, a, a team like Ohio state does. And it's, it's wild to me to see how lethargic, I guess, might be the word, the, the malaise surrounding the program that's permeated. I mean, I watch a lot of Michigan football. And, you know, as, as a function of me doing the threat level and all that stuff, and I follow it and I, I try to see what's going on. And it's just wild to me how much they really don't seem to be invested in winning. And, and that's that's what blows my mind. It, this is not a program that is just trying so damn hard and just struggling and maybe just, you know, pulling the wrong levers and pushing the wrong buttons. And it's just not working out. They just don't even seem to be trying. Jim Harbaugh will go out in a game against Michigan state. And you're like, okay, well, this is, you know, they may not be Ohio state, but this is little brother. You got to beat little brother. You got to get something rolling here in terms of rivalries. And they'll come out with the most bog standard, boring ass offensive game plan. They'll sit back on defense and kind of, wait for a team like Michigan state and Rocky Lombardi to make mistakes against them. It, it just, there is no level of give a damn in that program. And it's, it's mind blowing to me. This is, this is not the, this fearful, you know, scary Michigan program that I remember of the nineties and early two thousands. They just, they've seen like they just stopped caring to a certain extent. And it's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so like the thing is that you say that, they don't look like the scary Michigan program. Like I don't know a scary Michigan program. No, exactly. Right. I, I'm, I'm, 30, born in, I'm almost 36. Right. Like I, I, I can was, remember that, yeah. but that's rapidly vanishing from living memory. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I am a married 26 year old man Yeah, that like, you know, like has a full-time job. I'm a college graduate. Like, and I remember, <laughs> I vividly remember one loss. I remember right. the 2003 loss vaguely. But I, the only loss to, to Michigan I vividly remember is 
2011 with an interim head coach and the worst <laughs> often Ohio state team that is like existed, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, if that is the one loss that Ohio state has against this team, like in my strong memory, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, I thought about that today because um, you know, Tennessee, right. Another, another program trying to recapture their glory or as far as Jeremy Pruitt. And then yeah. I, it got me thinking, you know, Brady Hoke was the interim coach for them uh, for a couple games once upon a time. And it's just, there's this whole level of C tier coaches that I would be like, they could make mission. <laughs> like it's, it's so weird to me. I don't, I don't know, right. man. It's the whole thing is just goofy as hell. I, you know, even if you look back at that 2011 game, Ohio State lost that game by less than by six points. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If, if it Braxton wasn't a blowout, Michigan didn't Braxton go Miller in. If Miller hits Devere just... Posey, if Braxton yeah. Miller hits Devere Posey on that fly route, like it, it, the game's over and Ohio State wins. Like it wasn't yeah. a blowout. It was the worst team in Ohio State memory at Michigan. Oh and, my god! And Ohio State almost won. Right. So the whole thing is just goofy as hell. And you know, if if you want to watch a slow motion car wreck, I, I recommend paying attention to what's going on up there because they're going to be like this for a while now. Now that they've locked in a mediocre coach into a long-term contract. I mean, again, yes, if they, if, if Michigan looks at this and goes, okay, this is clearly not working out in year two, they'll buy his ass out for, I think, 1.5 million or 1 million or whatever it is at that point. That's fine. And they'll find somebody, if somebody comes available and they think they can get them, they'll, they'll go for that. But I, it, it just feels like so much of a white flag and it's, it's crazy to me. So another fun thing to keep an eye on as Ohio state is kind of, you know, holding steady Ryan day is in, in some cases improving a lot of the things uh, that you saw under urban Meyer. And then Michigan is just, I don't know what they're doing. They're trying to, they've got a sinking boat that they're trying to empty with a thimble and it just doesn't make any sense to me. So want to remind you the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com dry goods. 11 warriors.com. Uh, shirts hats, stickers all kinds of great stuff check it out let's do some ask us anything which you can do by sending us questions to dubcast at 11 warriors.com and we've got some some pretty good questions this week i want to start with this one from bill and he says i think we're all breathing a sigh of relief with uh, urban to the nfl stories so he sent this a little bit ago before urban meyer was confirmed to jacksonville um do you think there's still some potential at this point and interesting, we saw Anthony Schlegel, right, joining uh, the, the Jaguars as a strength coach. Um, do, you, do you think, as, as St. Louis Wookie here wants to know, as Bill wants to know, um, do you think there's any more chance of, like, maybe a Brian Hartline going to the NFL? Or maybe not just under Urban Meyer, but just in general. Is that something Ohio State fans have to worry about? Yeah, I mean, Hartline, it, I don't, he's not going to go to the – Urban's made it kind of clear that he's not going to go after Ohio State staff – um, you know, you got Stamper and um, Schlegel wasn't, he wasn't working with Ohio state anymore, right. but, um, but it really, they took Stamper and that's it. But um, you know, outside of that, like, I, I don't think we're going to see anybody jump to the NFL or jump to Jacksonville. But I, I think like, if you're looking for anybody on the staff who might move to the NFL, it, it is going to be Heartline. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure he would, because I think he like, just loves what he's doing. Um, you know, I, I, that's just the vibe that I get. I, I don't think that like, I don't think that he's the sort of guy that is like using this as a stepping stone job as insane as that sounds. Like, I think that he sincerely loves coaching young kids to be wide receivers. And so I don't, I don't know if he'll do that forever, but 
for the foreseeable future for next year for I honestly even the year after that it, it sure seems like he's cool with just yeah coaching coaching receivers but I, he would be the only one that I'd kind of have my my eye on about heading also, towards the NFL the other thing about Hartline is I think maybe a small I mean you know everybody can always have more money right there people yeah. don't people don't go like nah I'm, I'm good typically they they, they keep pushing for that paycheck but he did have a very long and lucrative nfl career right like he's not hurting for cash if he really enjoys what he's doing then there's no reason to you know say why he won't continue doing it and i also think i'll be honest ryan day is a huge factor in this people genuinely seem to like both playing for him and working for him and i don't think that's that doesn't count for nothing i think that that means something to a lot of these guys and that's good news in the future, especially if you want to, you know, have continuity in staff and whatnot, but uh, or continuity in staff. But um, I, you know, I worry about it a little bit. I worry about Ryan Day a little bit, but overall, I think they probably, especially in this cycle, are, are pretty well set. Losing Stamper might actually hurt more than people realize, especially if they don't know exactly what he does. Um, but overall, I wouldn't be too concerned about it in general. Um, and this last one here, this is from our good friend Alvin. He wants to know, do we have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't usually do New Year's resolutions because I, I, don't, I don't keep them, frankly. I don't do New Year's <laughs> resolutions because I'm a perfect human being who requires no improvement. But yeah. sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I just like, I've never in my life like kept a New Year's resolution. And I, I think like if I decide that I want to do something, I just like kind of do it and I don't wait for like... <laughs> the year to arbitrarily change to, to yeah. do it i i kind of hate new year's resolutions because it like makes it harder to like i don't know like even if i wanted to go to the gym like this is not the time that i want to do it <laughs> that's right. really crowded now so like right. i don't know i i guess like generally i would like to like be more active but i don't i wouldn't call that a new year's resolution i think it's just like a I, i'm a blogger and i sit in front of a computer <laughs> all day right. and i need to like go outside sometimes and so i think my, my my new year's resolution would be to like see the sun every day because that's fair that doesn't always happen yeah not as easy for an ohioan because uh, you're down in, in in the atl it's risky business in the a yeah. uh but up here in, in cbus you don't really get to see the sun very often that is anymore. true that is true not, not a not a big uh, part of my winter experience which i'm fine with frankly i'm keep yeah. it gray and cold all day for me i'm, I'm cool with that you hate the i sun. got a uh i got this so i've been doing a lot of biking i've been in the gym because i broke my collarbone and then COVID hit so in lieu of that i've been biking a lot and i did a ton of it over the summer and then a little bit in the fall but obviously i'm you know i'm not going to do so much of it when it's 30 degrees out because i'm not that crazy but we do have a stationary bike and i got this like heart monitor thing that i can kind of wear so I've, I've kind of made a, a promise to myself. I'm not going to call it a resolution. But I made a promise to myself to try to, to hit that four times a week and, and try to, you know, maybe do some advanced uh, metrics on my own gross decaying body. So we'll see. We'll see if I can get slightly more athletic by the time this, this COVID crap ends and I can actually get back in the gym and do stuff. So that's, that's kind of my resolution, I guess, is to, to become slightly more athletic as opposed to just sitting and staring in the space, which I do most of the time as i'm teaching from home so yeah that's 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 i guess my news resolution thank you for sending those questions in real quick i'll get you out on this kevin we haven't talked too much about basketball who i'm gonna be pissed if you say the wrong answer who's your favorite player on this team right now 
Oh, it's Zed Key. It's Zed Key. It's yeah. Zed Key. Zed Key is the best player on Ohio State men's basketball team, not because he's the best player, but because he's the best player to watch. And I freaking love Zed Key, and I'm going to let you explain why you love Zed Key. I love Zed Key because he's a huge freaking dork, and he knows it, and he's hilarious. But I also like Zed Key because he genuinely seems to enjoy the act of playing basketball, which has been in short supply occasionally over the years that I've been watching Ohio State basketball sometimes. He he is just loving life, and I, you know, he bodied that dude. I can't even remember the guy from, uh, from Illinois that he was able to lock down on occasion and, and help Ohio State win that game. Um, that was fun. He's, he's just a fun dude to watch. I freaking love Zed Key. He's great. Yeah, he is. I, I mean, you hit it. You nailed it. He's just a goof that is like super fun, like doesn't really care, just like is who he is sort of guy and like just, just has fun, like lives life. And I don't know. I, I think he's remarkable. I can find like 20 examples. I, I've teased it just a Zed Key skull session. So there, <laughs> there will probably be a Zed Key skull session and it's one of those things where like, I'm not going to ask for permission on that. I'm just going to do an entire skull session on, on, on Zed key. And why not? My, why and not? if my Who boss gets no? mad, my boss gets mad. No, I, nobody's going to say no. Nobody's, nobody's going to say, gonna no, say no. no. And they'll it's appreciate publish. that you did it. Yeah. It's just going to publish and somebody's going to be like, Oh yeah. Today's skull session was, in, I'm sure I'll get an angry email or two, but you know, he's, he's well, the best player on the team. So those people aren't mm-hmm. watching Ohio state men's basketball and you need to watch Zed key play. Not again, not because he's necessarily the best player, but because he's the best player to watch. And he's oh, yeah. just fun as hell doing finger guns. All the, <laughs> the finger guns are so good. <laughs> my, 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 my Ohio State memory of finger guns before Zed Key was when Mark Loving hit a, a game winner, a game winning bunny, like just like a, a, a bank shot, right? Like at the window to beat a terrible Nebraska team and he celebrated <laughs> with finger guns. And right. so, so Zed key making finger guns good is, is, uh, you know, it, it's just welcome at this point. There was a sequence where he got like a block and then a, uh, on one end and then went down and, and I think did a layup or something like that. And he was so damn excited. He was looking at his bench and was just having his arms waving in the air going, yeah, I'm Zed key. And it was, I, I was dying laughing. He's just, he's a great dude. Um, you know, I hope your Zed key centric Scully at one point can be actually be written by Zed key and, and oh, have a little bit of a guess. That would be fun too. But honestly, Either way, I'm down for it. So watch Ohio State men's basketball, if only for one very specific player. But the rest are pretty good too. That was that was a good. I mean, it's a hard schedule coming up. They got a lot of teams to play that are gonna, I think, maybe stretch them a little bit. Um, but it's 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 been fun so far to watch, and they're they're a pretty decent team. So. That's the Dubcast this week. I want to thank you again, Kevin, for coming on and, and filling in for Andy. Andy will be back next time. Um, yeah, it's been good, man. Yeah, it, it was great. Thanks for having me on. I love having love talking with you and uh, you know saying dumb things over the uh, the internet. That's that's our job, man. That's that's that what it's job. all about. That's what it's all about. All right. So until next week, I'm Johnny. He's Kevin, and uh, we'll see you next time.